time of year. Merry Christmas, everybody. This is a Christmas episode of Fanholes Sentai Saturdays. Hey, what's up, guys? This is Derek, Derek WC, and I'm joined tonight in the merry festivities by three, count them, three of my fellow Super Sentai enthusiasts. So why don't you guys give a Merry Christmas shout-out to everybody who's listening and let everyone know who's here tonight. Christmas star, sugoi. It's Mike. Hey, this is Justin. Hey, everybody, this is Tony. And if you fall off a ladder in front of me, I will slap you for being stupid. Yay! So <laughs> what we are discussing tonight is part of our month-long theme of Christmas episodes. And what we wanted to do was kind of showcase all our spin-off shows, but also kind of my, my secret nefarious evil master plan was, how am I going to get Justin to come on a Christmas episode of Fan Holes? So this was my evil secret malicious plan. I was going to do an episode of Sentai Saturdays. And it was going to be a Christmas episode, and Justin would have to come on the show. So that was my nefarious master plan. It's worked out wonderful so far until I've revealed it, and maybe Justin's going to storm off the, the uh, internet radio broadcast right now as we speak. But uh, I'm hoping he sticks around and regales us with information and tidbits on Super Sentai Gokaiger because that's what we're discussing tonight. We're going to be discussing episode 44, which is titled A Lovely Christmas Eve. And this episode actually first aired December 25th of 2011. So uh, a lot of, I mean, I guess maybe this is something that if, if you're not a regular watcher or viewer of a lot of Japanese programming, they actually, in fact, do have lots of Christmas-themed episodes for a lot of their television programming, and I, you know, I just thought that that would be something that would be pretty fun to cover, and also something that would slot easily within our, you know, Christmas theme month and stuff like that. And since I know a lot of us, the majority of us on this show have all seen Gokaiger, except for poor Mike, who we will probably have to be filling in on on certain aspects of the show. I think he's a relatively you know, a, a noob to the whole Gokaiger experience. But it, it's one of those things where hopefully, like, we can sort of, you know, f get get him up to date and, and kind of, you know, let him know what's going on. But it's also cool for us because maybe we're all kind of, you know, insular as far as the Super Sentai franchise. And maybe we take some things for granted and maybe Mike's going to be the guy going, well, hey, wait a minute, can you can you point out why I should know that Damien has a bat cow, you know, like, basically, like, can you explain to me what that's all about? And, you know, even though I yucked it up when Justin asked me that, you know, there, there, there's, it's a valid question. Why does Damien, why is there a cow in the bat cave? You know, so maybe Mike will be the guy for us this episode asking why there's a cow in the bat cave. And then we can, you know, we can fill in not only Mike, but any listeners who are, are kind of new to Gokaiger. Because maybe there are Sentai fans out there who have seen a lot of different shows, but maybe they haven't seen Gokaiger. And I, I think this will give us an opportunity to discuss, you know, Gokaiger in general. I guess, you know, before we get into maybe like the synopsis of what the episode itself is about and everything, I mean, maybe it's a good time to kind of ask at least Tony and Justin... And, you know, feel free, gentlemen, whoever would like to go first. But, like, do you want to uh, sort of, like, share, like, your experience with Gokaiger? Like, maybe when you first, you know, when it first came to your attention, like, how you came to the series, like, what, what your kind of overall thoughts on it are? I guess for me, like, it was the fan holes who introduced me to it because I forgot which one of y'all was watching. I think it might have been Justin who first turned, turned me on to it. I was aware that Super Sentai was a thing. I knew about Zoo Ranger and all that stuff and Die Ranger, but I hadn't really watched a lot of it. And when we started doing, like when we did that, you know, episode where we just kind of talked about it uh, in relation to Megaforce and stuff, 
that sparked it. But before that, you know, we did something that had something to do with Gokaiger. I can't remember if it was like the first episode or whatever. It was a long time ago. It was like one of the first episodes we did. And I just started watching it and I just really got into it. And it's just a really fun show. And even on that episode we did, we talked about how, well, it's not super mature. It's not like blood and guts and, you know, like sex and cussing and stuff. Well, depending on the sub you get, you, you get ones with cussing. It, it, but it's a little bit more mature because there is death. There is consequences. You know, it's a little bit more mature than Power Rangers. But it's still a kid show, but it's still fun. And I, I was going to joke about Mike. I was like, Mike's just in the back going, like, okay, I see them going, but they're not kydering a lot. <laughs> what, what about you, Justin? Like, do you have any, like, sort of opening thoughts or overall thoughts on Go Kyger as a series in general? I, I really like Go Kyger. I think of the past, like, you know, several seasons of Sentai that we've had, like, I think it's probably my favorite. And, like, I kind of forgot how much I liked it because, you know, it, it's been a, it's been like five years now, I think. And, you know, this is a series I watched, you know, you know, whenever the latest episode was subbed, like, I would watch it instantly because that's how much I liked it. And I forgot how much I liked it. But, like, when I started watching this episode, all, like, the music kicked in and, like, all the characters were being all jokey and, you know, kind of kind of, like, picking on guy and you know joking around and stuff and i was like man like this this was a really great series like i miss this and it's not that it's not that like some of the series that have came after it have been terrible like some of them have, have been you know kind of bad but it's just like i don't i don't think the characters in the later series were like this well developed or like they didn't interact this well it's like i, I kind of you know, I, I bought them more in Gokaiger. And plus you have the whole nostalgia trip factor in, in Gokaiger. You have like, you know, just the idea that, hey, like you have these rangers who have their own abilities and weapons. But they can also turn into like past rangers and use their weapons and abilities. Like that, that always was appealing to me. Like one of the, one of my favorite things, you know, when I'm sitting down and watching an episode as I'm like wondering, like, who are they going to turn into this week? You know, is it going to be like, is it going to be a Sentai that I'm not like f totally familiar with? Or, you know, is it going to be like one of my favorites? Or is it going to be something, something I'm more familiar with on the Power Ranger side? Like, is it going to be like, you know, G Ranger, you know, as we know as, you know, Mighty Morphin? Like, that's, that's kind of my view of the series. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's important to note before we get into the synopsis, like you were saying, that. It is considered like a 35th anniversary show and, you know, celebrating 35 years of Super Sentai, their whole goal was to have these characters. The, the basic concept is that there was a big war, a big battle in the opening sequence where you had all the previous 35 Super Sentai teams and they were combating this invading empire, and they drove off the empire, but the cost of that is they lost all their Super Sentai powers, and inevitably those powers find their way into a treasure chest, and our heroes, who are basically pirates, they're space pirates, and they're from alien you know, cultures and civilizations and everything, but they're obviously very you know, human Japanese, you know, young men and young ladies, but they now have the ability to pick and choose whichever Super Sentai power they want to use by way of these Ranger keys. And that was the basic driving force and also, you know, the marketability, the toys, like all that kind of stuff. You had people collecting the Gokaiger keys with all the different Super Sentai teams. And some people probably got really obsessive and tried to get every single team there was. Or maybe, you know, they had a particular favorite team and they went out of their way to get five keys from their favorite team. And sometimes they, they probably made that really easy. And sometimes it was probably ridiculously hard for the poor bastards who wanted to get either a complete team or a set of keys and stuff like that. Doesn't Professor Smooth have a complete set? He did, like, at a certain point he had a complete set, but, like, to be honest, like, the keys are still really popular. Like, even now they're still making go-catcher keys. It's like, you know, it's not as prevalent, but they, they're actually still making the keys. So, you know, wow. they're still popular. But, yeah, like, I, I think at one point, like, Smooth had... You know everything that was out at a you know at a certain point in time, and he was he was telling me all about it. And you know I, I have quite a few myself. I wasn't like obsessive about it. Like there there were a few that I was like, okay, 
I would really like to have Miss America and Ninja Red from Copy Ranger, but I'm not paying $50 for like one one little tiny like key that's made of plastic. Like that's that's where I'm going to draw the line. Like I think the most I spent was I spent like $20 on Big One. And to be honest, like that was kind of a deal because at the time it was like 35 or 40 dollars or something so i was like man that's that's a deal like i can't let that go but then but then it's like you know in my head i'm like you just paid 20 dollars for like this little tiny piece of plastic you're stupid <laughs> <laughs> i think that's a public machine well if it, if it makes you feel any better i've paid a lot more for tiny pieces of plastic so <laughs> so don't don't beat yourself up too much you know like that's probably just part of collecting yeah, just I mean, you're talking to the guy who like you know spends like twelve or fifteen dollars on a Hot Wheel car that's rare. So yeah, I can't I can't fault you. <laughs> you know, since since we are doing a Sentai Saturdays episode, but we do have our you know our so-called sister show Toku Thursdays where we talk about a lot of Tokusatsu. I I did want to impart on the audience that at the time I was watching this, the concept of existing heroes calling on the powers of past heroes to me was a brand new and inventive thing i thought it was really clever and cool and i I thought it was a great idea and the fact that even if you didn't have a huge history with super sentai if you even had the slightest inkling of a history with power rangers that also kind of added a dynamic to kind of what Justin was saying, you, you'd basically wonder, because the way most of the episodes are structured on this show is that pretty much every episode is a tribute episode to a past Super Sentai team. So like Justin was saying, you're always wondering, geez, I wonder who the tribute is going to be, to you know, to which team it's going to be from week to week, basically. And in the episode we're about to discuss tonight, it's going to be a tribute to the Super Sentai team Battle Fever J. You know, and, and as of this recording, you cannot, unfortunately, watch my history of comics on film video on Battle Fever J because it was copyright claimed by Toei, but but hopefully maybe by the time this actually gets released, like, there'll, there'll be some other way that you guys can can watch that again. But basically, like, that's something that is also a, a cool aspect to the series where you can basically see them use past powers, but not only like the past powers and the, the actors, you know, dressing up in the suits and everything, but usually there was some form of cameo from an original cast member, you know, some kind of, you know, tribute in the sense that, you know, you had a passing of the torch where an original Super Sentai cast member would basically give this new team the thumbs up the go-ahead and impart either some wisdom or some kind of, you know, central power to the group and everything like that. So, I mean, that's that's another aspect of this show that is, you know, basically part of the the structure and tradition and what, you know, fans had come to expect and everything. And, and I just, the reason why I brought up Toku Thursdays was, to me, this was a very original idea, but I do remember reading and seeing things after I got more and more into the show about people bringing up common writer Deno. Like that, I'm I'm right about that, right, Justin? Is that the one that it no, is? No, or... decayed. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, see that I don't even know because I haven't <laughs> seen the show. See, so so that shows how much I know. But what common writer decayed is the one that that uses like past writer forms basically and so a lot of people I, I i do remember that kind of snobbish elitist you know hipster attitude about this show where they're like well, that's just decay with super sentai you know and, and like people are getting all grumpy about it because i guess maybe gokaiger got a lot more maybe widespread popularity than decayed or I, I i don't know but whatever the deal was but you know for for me at the time i remember this being you know to me i thought oh this is a really cool idea you know like and and it didn't you know horribly offend me or bother me to be honest i wasn't uh, super into common writer at the time so the fact that they borrowed the conceptual conceit of that show you know decayed it didn't it didn't you know horribly offend me you know i still thought it was a really neat idea and a fun way to pay tribute to you know past series and stuff like that so i i always thought it was kind of fun it's kind of funny though because even though there was probably some detractors who said that about go actually in the common writer like i guess you would say fan verse 
there's a lot of people who didn't like Decade for one reason or another. Like they didn't like, you know, Decade himself, you know, like some people like one of your hangups that you kind of get annoyed with, Derek. Decade is, is very bishy. He's very, very supermodel-y. Oh, is that, is that what of, we're calling it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's, he's pretty bishy, I guess, if that's yeah. what we're going with. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I've seen I've seen him in in some of the you know the Super Sentai versus Common Rider stuff, you know. So I, I I get that that you know it might not be something that people were ready for as far as a lead character, you know, you know, kind of looking as he did, you know, in in that series and stuff like that. But I mean, you know, but but I I just was speaking of it from the terms of yeah, go Kaiser, yeah, having the. The, the, you know the Gokaiger, the the conceit that they're, the, you know, the the idea that you you you're calling upon like past, you know, forms of whether it's common riders or Super Sentai. Justin, just curious, did Decade also have elements of where like past riders from previous series would show up in the episodes? Like, did they pay tribute in that way as well? Yes. Okay. Okay. And, and, and he was always he was always trying to kill them. I think that's why they like. <laughs> Oh, oh! So they, as opposed to them kind of having a a friendly team up or a passing of the torch, in in that case, he was usually trying to wipe out the previous rider. Well, the formula yes. was the formula was he was like supposed to kill them, like he was prophesized to kill these riders and bring apart this big apocalypse. But nine times out of ten, they would do the Wolverine Punisher thing where they end up working together. Mm, okay. Would you say that's about right, Justin? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I, I could sit here for, like, hours and tell you, you know, all the things I don't like about Decade and, you know, all that, but that's, like, a whole other, like, <laughs> podcast. That's a whole other show, yeah. huh? All right, well, I mean, yeah. mainly we're here to sort of celebrate Gokaiger, so I think what we'll do is we'll, we'll take a short break here, and then when we come back, we'll get into the nitty-gritty of the synopsis of A Lovely Christmas Eve, and we'll be right back. It was a golden age. Our Martian civilization was at the height of its peace and prosperity. White Martians came from beneath the planet's surface, bringing fire from the planet's guts, and they burned us all. I lost my family. came to Earth when my civilization was destroyed. Detective John Jones is what you might call my human alter ego. I'm not the only thing from outer space that's come, but right now I'm the only thing that can stop alien invasion. My name is John Jones. Also known as the Martian Manhunter. I'm Mars' sole survivor. There's a reason for that. I will defend Earth. The final head of Yabalu. Podcast available through iTunes, Shout Engine, and the Internet Archive. All right, guys, welcome back. And as promised, we're going to be going into the nitty-gritty synopsis of Gokaiger, episode 44, A Lovely Christmas Eve. Again, this was a tribute to Battle Fever J that aired on December 25th, 2011. On the Gigant Horse, Akados Gill decides to hold the invasion back until the problem with the pirates is solved. Meanwhile, Dirando decides to bring Action Commander Biaboo to Earth. After Damaris's demise, the bounty on Doc and Navi is increased. However, the rest of the team is still wondering about the true intentions of Basco, who is now back on the Zangak's wanted list. Then, Ikari Guy chimes in with a tiny Christmas tree to remind the team that Christmas is coming, and he takes Luca to help him with the preparations. Ikari Guy and Luca stumble on a Santa Claus, accompanied by a panda bear. Luca gets excited at the thought of getting a present and approaches Santa. However, he refuses, saying that he only gives presents to good kids, which results in Luca having cute angry face. <laughs> As Guy tries to calm her down, they find sister and brother Seo and Seiji Kinoshita, who are decorating a Christmas tree in the park with a group of children. Luca and Guy help out until Dirindo and Biaboo appear. Biaboo uses his magic wand to turn the targets into dolls. During the fight, both Seiji and Guy are turned into dolls, just as the other Gokaijers appear to fight Biaboo. Gokai changing into the Kaku Rangers, they attempt to take Biaboo's wand and intend to use a spell to turn everyone back to normal. Instead, Direndo joins the fray to foil their plans. 
Later, Seo is worried about her little brother and feeling guilty as they previously were always bickering. However, Luca comforts Seo and promises her that the plan she's come up with will definitely save her little brother. Luca goes after Biaboo on her own, but her attempt appears to fail when Biaboo turns her into a doll. But, fooled you! This is revealed to only be a distraction to allow Seo to use Luca's transformation cell phone mobilate and ranger key to transform into Gokai Yellow. Seo, as Gokai Yellow, retrieves the wand, which is later broken by Akari Guy, and turns everyone back to normal. With the team gathered and Luca's mobilate returned, the Gokaijus transform into an all yellow team, consisting of Tiger Ranger, Kirin Ranger, Gal Yellow, Hurricane Yellow, Boken Yellow, and Gosei Yellow. They take on Dirindo and Biaboo's Dogoromon as the main team next transforms into the Battle Fever J team, and Gokai Silver manages to combine Gokai Red and Gokai Green's Ranger Keys to transform into Gokai Christmas! Gokai Christmas <laughs> and Battle Fever modes ultimately combine destroy Biaboo, which leads to Insarn making Biaboo and the two Dogoromon grow to giant size. The Gokaijers form Gokai O and Goju Rex to fight them. After using Meiji Gokai O, Gal Lion, Furaimaru, Engine Maklon, and Gao. Jin against Biaboo, the group forms Kenzin Gokai-O to defeat Biaboo once and for all. Later, the Gokai Galleon crew joins in the park's Christmas celebration with Luka using the powers of Meiji Ranger to make it snow. Unbeknownst to the Gokaijers, the Santa Claus from earlier was actually the former Battle Kenya, Shiro Akibono, and he states that he's got to give the quote-unquote good kids a present. When the Gokaijers return to the Gokai Galleon after the Christmas party, Navi tells them that the treasure chest with all the ranger keys suddenly started glowing. Opening it, they find that the battle fever keys are shining and have granted their grand power. The Gokaijers are confused as they aren't sure of how and when they earned it when Luca guesses that it was a present from Santa. Marvelous then says that Santa is awesome, and Guy notices that it has started snowing in the city. The other Gokaijers rush to look through the window, ready to enjoy Christmas. So that is, in a nutshell, the synopsis of A Lovely Christmas Eve, the 44th episode of Gokaiger. It's probably not the, the best introduction episode, but I mean, I think you get a good idea of some of the characters. I mean, this obviously focuses a lot on Luca and Akari Guy, and then the other characters are, you know, they, they, they come in to help and save the day and different things like that. So as far as, you know, getting an overview of the entire series, I'm sorry, Mike, like this isn't probably the best introductory episode for you to watch but it is kind of cool in terms of being a tribute to battle fever j and being a, a special christmas episode and stuff like that but just because i'm deathly curious and because you've got this towel avatar staring me in the face can can we get your first impressions as uh, aside from people who sort of actually have seen all episodes of the show and and, and kind of have a vague idea of, of the totality of the series but kind of get your impressions as somebody who's you know you're coming to this fairly new correct yeah I mean, well, like, I saw the first episode of Gokaijer, so I knew who the characters were. And, I mean, it's not, like, it's not so complex a plot or anything. Like, I don't think, like, you know, most, like, Sentai does isn't exactly, like, you know, convoluted or, you know, hard to follow, basically. I think that the reason I put the Tali avatar is because of the, like, the, the Zord battle at the end. Like, when they summoned all their Zords and stuff, and it's, like... Like, you know, they summon whatever, the Megazord, and then, you know, the Sixth Ranger summons his thing, and then they have a race car, and then they also have a lion, and then they summon this tablet that, like, combines <laughs> with... And I was, like, at, like like a couple minutes in, I was just like, I have no idea what's going on! <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, I suppose I suppose between the, the three of us, we could sort of explain some things. But I, I know I was trying to describe to you when I was putting together the synopsis, a lot of the times, basically, you've got a lot of these names. And what I would often do is just Google the name and make it stick in my head with a visual image. And once I sort of associated the visual image with that name, now I kind of know what's going on. Like, like Beaboo is like the main villain and everything. So it's like, it's funny because that character, like I was like, oh, they're using the pronoun he. And I think had I not read this synopsis, I probably would have used the pronoun she because it's a very colorful, purple, kind of effeminate, kind of super sentai, you know, kind of kaiju monster thing and everything like that. But obviously, it I guess it's supposed to be another you know, dude or whatever that's that's working for the Zangak Empire and stuff like that. Actually, um, the sub I had was a different sub than you guys is, but at one point during the fight, he actually says, you know, that's no way to treat a transvestite. Uh, okay. Well, well, <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe the pronouns are interchangeable at that point, but, but I, I was just kind of sitting there going like, okay, like I guess it's a, it, it's one of those like Frieza situations where you're just not. You you aren't sure when you first see them, you know. Basically, that's a dude. Like it was like, a, yeah. what's her name? It's the 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 green overlord from Gaim. When I was like, that Reju, yeah. And then I was like, and when Reju comes in, she's like, and you're like, she? I'm like, yeah, Reju's a girl. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's 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 stuff like that where you kind of get confused. But uh, as far as like the the Zords and everything, like kind of like the the tradition with the the Ranger Keys. I mean, one added aspect that doesn't really come from you know, the, the decayed type comparison, I guess, is that they do have these Zords. And and that's something that I, I don't know that it was really successfully carried over into Megaforce very well, but <laughs> on this on this show, you know, on Gokaiger, you know, like basically they would also get and earn the grand powers of the Super Sentai teams, and that would include their Megazords. So, you know, Gokai-O is basically their pirate ship, you know, that transforms and all these different Zords come together and form basically like a, you know, a, a giant, you know, Super Sentai, you know, w whatever we're calling it. Like, you know, the, the, the Zord, basically. But in addition to that, you know, you've got, you know, like you said, the Sixth Ranger has his own Zord, basically, and he's using like the Green Ranger key because that's why it turns into like a T-Rex. And then, you know, you've also got the, the you were saying like, dude, there's a lion and there's the, the, the car and everything. And it's like, those are all like grand powers that they've earned over the course of the series. So like Gal Ranger, I guess to put it maybe in your vernacular would be, you know, from Wild Force and, and, and the car. Makakan is RPM, yeah. Yeah, and, and yeah, the car, the engine Macalon is basically like the the son of the car from Engine Sentai Go On. Okay, because yeah, I was wondering if the lion was supposed to be yeah, like the red lion from like yeah, Wild Force yeah, or something. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it so. is. Yeah. So so that's yeah, that's basically what that's a nod. To. No, no, what I also thought was like weird. It's like you know, like usually like the standard formula, like in Power Rangers at least, is is once the monster grows or whatever, you know, they kind of have a slugfest with it and then they finish it off. But it feels like. When I was watching this, I feel like they did like eight different finishing moves on the guy or something. I'm like, holy crap, dude, isn't he dead yet? Like, did like all these friggin' like cannons and like, you know, giant, like, you know, where, where all the, the background changes to some like colorful thing and like they're all like getting going, oh, like, and I'm like, holy <laughs> crap, like, how many finishing moves is this guy gonna take? But yeah, Beaboo's catchphrase in this, this show is, that hurt. <laughs> So how how about you, Tony? I mean, do you do you have any specific impressions, like thoughts on this specific episode as opposed to like the series in general? Well, first of all, it's a really fun episode. I mean, Gokaiju doesn't really get dark, 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 but it, it does have some, you know, I guess you'd say more serious episodes, especially as the show goes on. There's a whole storyline with Marvelous that, you know, we'll leave out for right now until, you know, we maybe one day talk about Gokaiju at length. Yeah, this is a lighthearted episode. Akari guy is great. He, he's so upbeat. He's like a guy you would just, like, want to hang out with. You know, he's a guy's guy. You know, and Luca, <laughs> it, it's kind of... It's... <laughs> It's kind of nice that Luca, she's not really bitchy. She just doesn't understand Christmas. She doesn't really get it. 
you know, when she's told she's a mean girl, she doesn't understand that, like, while, you know, they are fighting the good fight, they're still pirates. And to this, you know, this Battle Fever J guy, you know, they're still kind of the bad guys. You know, they're pirates. They steal stuff. So she doesn't really grasp that, even though they try to do good. And also, I was going to mention that, like, the sister and brother thing, I, I mean, I understand, you know, Japan, Japan has a different culture than us. But, man, that girl is mean to that little kid. Like, she smacks him. She, like, bops him on the head and is just like, you know, go do my bidding and everything. I mean, she does have an about face. She does have a face turn where she's like, you know, I care for my brother. I didn't want him to be turned into a doll. And, you know, that that was cute. And, um, but, yeah, she well, really like, mean it. Yeah. I, 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 think, I think it's not so much a face turn as it is kind of, uh, you know, Amuro Ray getting slapped by, you know, Noah Bright kind of situation yeah you know, it's not that it's not he, she's not slapping him because she doesn't love him she's slapping him because stupid you almost fell off a ladder and broke your neck like don't do that again you know like that's you know it's better to get smacked in the face than to fall off a ladder and break your neck type situation i mean that's 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 basically how i sort of took that i mean yeah you can you can sit there and point fingers at it or judge it from afar but you know again it's it's one of those things i suppose i'm in the whole you know next generation you know i'm not gonna judge the culture mode or whatever you know like i i understand the intent and you know clearly like she she does have enough of an arc where you see that you know she's sitting there going like i do i do feel a little bad that we we were clashing this whole time and and he might be stuck as a doll forever so like her whole you know yeah. goal is to sort of be she sacrifices for her little brother to help bring him back and stuff like that so some of the things they mentioned in this episode as far as like interesting tidbits are that you know this is a tribute episode to battle fever j and at the same time there were brother and sister associates of battle fever j in the original series so you had you know it seemed like this episode yeah. tried to echo that brother and sister pairing and basically kind of pay tribute to it in their own way and stuff like that i mean most of the tribute episodes they go out of their way to show you i mean you, you obviously it, it's a bit more of a surprise you don't really find out until the very very end of the episode where they reveal battle kenya but i think you know to, it, it's kind of like that that extent of they they sort of treat their audience as two-year-olds you know like where it's like if you did not recognize the actor who plays battle fever kenya when he turns around in the Santa outfit, you know, they, they do a nod and a wink where they flash the image of Battle Kenya superimposed over the image. So if you had any doubt, if you were in the dark at all, if you weren't 100% sure, <laughs> it's like it's like that sort of, you know, basically gives you the stamp of approval that, yeah, that feeling you had in the back of your head, that this is a tribute to that particular actor like this basically confirms that and sort of you know you know makes it without a shadow of a doubt you know w without a shadow of a doubt that is the the character you know that that it's intending to to honor and everything like that and i mean you know it, it is kind of cool to see all the guys in the battle fever j suits i mean i know i've said in the past like I'd, I'd get a kick out of it if they made figure arts of battle fever j you know they've got their origins in you know, Marvel Comics, Captain America, you know, in a weird sort of way, you know, Super Sentai owes a lot of its tropes and, and situations to characters like Spider-Man and Captain America because of series like, you know, Spider-Man and, and Battle Fever J and everything. So you've got, you've got like a long legacy and, and this kind of interspersed, you know, I guess they try to point out the parallels between how Christmas is a tradition that was sort of imported and incorporated into Japan and also how Battle Fever J is also kind of similar in that way that it's a tradition, a superhero American tradition that's sort of incorporated into Japanese Super Sentai, you know, so there, there's, there's those parallels as well. Yeah, they actually do like say, you know, it's Christmas, they don't try to Japan doesn't mess with the, the the concept, you know. They have the trees, they have the presents. That's kind of cool. I, I, you know, thought that was that was nice that they they 
found that aspect of our culture so interesting that they, they like celebrating the holiday, too. I really like that when, what's the uh, little sister's name? Seo. Seo. I, I like it when, she, when she's helping out Luca, and then, you know, Power Rangers, you can learn from this. When she turns into Gokai Yellow, she's the same fucking height as a teenager. Why don't you just give it up? Face it. You don't fit in, A-Kid. Yeah, but he's right. Screw you, Justin. Not you, Justin. The other Justin, the fucking nine-year-old. You don't stretch. <laughs> well, you, you know what? You know what it was cracked me up about that is on this show, it, it also applies to gender as well. So, being the, I, I guess I've been designated the Battle Fever J expert for this show. Like Battle Cossack is the, you know, essentially the quote-unquote Russian Battle Fever J team member because uh, obviously the Battle Fever J. Super Sentai team. It's all designated by like flags, and they're supposed to represent a particular region of, you know, Earth, basically. You know, and and so for Battle Cossack, it's like he's supposed to represent like you know certain forms of you know Russia and 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 you know Europe and different areas like that. And so Battle Cossack is traditionally it it was two different Japanese actors, one of which is actually. You know, Kikaida, you know, Daisuke Bond played the second version of Battle Cossack. But I guess all I'm getting at is the character is traditionally male. But when they do the transformation sequence, usually Gokai Pink gets to be the actual girl ranger in most of those transformations, you know, because <laughs> usually there's only the one. So she turns into Miss America, who is the you know, the, the female member of Battle Fever J, and, and Luca actually turns into Battle Cossack. So that, it's kind of funny to me. Like, I'm like, oh, look, Battle Cossack with boobs. <laughs> like, or whatever, <laughs> you know, it kind of cracks me up and stuff like that. And and just speaking to your point on Luca, like, kind of getting grumpy because she's accused of being a quote-unquote mean girl. Like, I, I don't know that it's so much that she's a mean girl, but the character is somebody who sort of thrives on, she likes gambling. Like, she likes pretty things, and she's, she's you know, she likes shopping and, 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 and wealth and jewelry and, you know, that, that kind of aspect. And so her her very nature by default is, oh, there's a guy in a red suit giving out free presents? Like, great, let me have some. You know, like, that. that's the kind of person she is. You know, like, she she's into all those materialistic things. You know, she is the type of character who would revel in a casino. You know, like, that kind of character type. Yeah, yeah. well, that's what I'm saying. Like, she, she just doesn't get Christmas at that point. She learns about it, but at that point, she's just like... Oh, yeah, Christmas, you get free stuff. I want it. <laughs> right, right. And I, I, I think in terms of that, though, I think I think even even if you understood the holiday or not, you know, if, if you were someone who was a, a cute girl who liked going to casinos and gambling, you would be on Santa's naughty list. You know, like that that's just yeah. it, it's sort of inherent. You know what I mean? So so in that sense, like she is that type of character who would traditionally be on a naughty list. I mean, she, there are aspects of her. She is a lot more naughty than, say, you know, uh, Gokai Pink. You know what I mean? Because she's yeah. a princess and she's from royalty and, you know, she's supposed to be respectable and, and, and that kind of thing. Whereas, you know, Luca is is a little more kind of freewheeling and dealing. You know, she's a little more raunchy. Like, she's... she's more she, tomboyish. Yeah, tomboyish, all those kind of things. You know, so so there there is that aspect to her. You know, and they're both, they're both pretty and beautiful and cute in their own ways. But I think you know, for her, like, you know, maybe Gokai Pink might have been on the the good list automatically, yeah. you know, whereas Luca, nice Luca list, yeah. is not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gokai Christmas is cheesy and kind of silly, but damn, I loved it. I don't know, just him flying in on like snow and 
just Christmas. It, I don't know. It, it kind of gave me a smile. So, yeah, I, I really like Gokai Christmas. <laughs> yeah, Kari Guy, I mean, I, I know myself and Luke, Jack, and Eddie have discussed it on the sort of Toku Thursdays slash Sentai Saturdays episodes where we discussed a lot of the, the you know, the, the team-up type shows and everything. And he is the the ultimate fanboy. I mean, and, and yeah. it doesn't just apply to Super Sentai, I think. It also applies to the Christmas holiday here, you know? Yeah. I, mean, I just thought it was really, it was really, it was a good Akari guy moment. I mean, it, it was, it was very much him, if that makes sense. So not, not wanting to leave out Justin, I mean, do you want to regale us with your thoughts, specific thoughts on the episodes? Do you have certain other notes like Tony had to add to, to kind of what we've already been talking about? I like the episode. I mean, like like you said in the opening, like I'm not usually huge on like Christmas type episodes, but you know, like I liked it. And you know, as for Gokai Christmas, the special transformation, like that's that's one of those things that like when it happens, I'm like, oh yeah, this is a kids show. Like I sometimes I forget, and like you know, sometimes I'll do something silly, and I'm like, oh yeah, this this is really for like you know seven eight-year-old like japanese boys like like sometimes i forget the thing i want to talk about is like battle kenya like he has a very very small like cameo in this episode but like the the actor who plays him kenji oba like i, I think he's great and you know you know like you said he he is battle kenya in battle fever j he's also dinzy blue in dinzy man and he's also the lead character in Space Sheriff Gavin, which is a really great Tokusatsu series, and is it's the first of the Middle Hero series. They even did a team-up movie, you know, Kaizuko Sento Gokaiger versus you know Space Sheriff Gavin, where Kinji Oba like appears as all three of his characters, which is a really great scene. Like, I mean, I, I mean, I know you've seen it, Derek, but like, if you you know, it like, it's one of those things. It's like. Gokaiger has a lot of like fanboy moments where you're like, oh man, like, you know, you, you never thought you'd see this character again, or like, you know, you, you never thought you would see that mech again. Like, you know, like seeing Kinjiobo like portray like all three of his big like Tokusatsu characters, I'm just like, whoa, like that's that's really great. Do you think that maybe his role in this episode was kind of reduced to a cameo because of how big? his role was as far as Space Sheriff Gavin, like, in the in the movies and stuff like that? Like, in other words, like, do you think it was one of those things where they're like, yeah, he got plenty of screen time in that movie, and we really, really paid major tribute to him, and we only had enough money to pay him for the movie and a couple minutes in this, like, type thing? Like, do you get that vibe at all? Like, that maybe, you know, they just decided for this one, we're just going to do a small little battle kenya cameo and leave it at that yeah that's that's kind of like how i feel about it and it's it's such a small cameo i'm kind of like it's it's almost disappointing but but then it's like you know at, at the end of the episodes they're like you know hey check out gokaiju versus gavin so you're like oh well okay that like that makes it for being so small but then it's like you know at after what you know after having watched you know several episodes of battle fever j like i kind of I kind of wish they could have gave that cameo to, like, one of the other actors. I kind of, like, want to hear your thoughts about this, but, like, I I, I liked the character Diane Martin. And, like, I, I thought, like, you know, she was very underused. Like, I know, I don't know, like, what you turned up when you were researching your episodes of History Comics, but, like, you know, supposedly, you know, she had a modeling career and she didn't speak Japanese very well, so she was let go or she was, you know, she was asked to like leave and you know the I, I kind of always felt like the character that replaced Diane wasn't wasn't as good and like I, I you know I mean as, as for me like I think Diane is like you know like way way more attractive but yeah I, well I mean I think that's the point she was she was a model first right she wasn't really much of an actress per se like that's that's the kind of vibe you get from from the show too where like she she looks good, you know, but there, there's, there's, it's one of those things where as long as she didn't have too much to do, it seemed to work out in the show's favor. But like that, that was one of the things I noticed about that series as a whole, because 
what you'll go on to notice is like there's if, if you keep watching Battle Fever J, eventually there's like a clip show episode where they basically go over like the, basically I think it starts with the idea that the Battle Fever J team fucks up and <laughs> there's this there's this uh, you know one of the the beasts or whatever and it kicks all their asses and so now you've got the the main you know guy I'm trying to remember his name but you know their their sensei basically going over the footage and kind of going this is why you fucked up like let's let's review your your <laughs> the reasons why you're doing this and and your past successes and this and that and the other thing and basically it turns into a clip show right and the idea is supposed to be like Hey, remember episode eight, Battle Kenya, where you were totally kick ass and you did this and that and this? Like, you've got to harness the power of that, you know? And hey, remember this episode, you know, episode 17, where Battle France, like, did some cool, like, fencing and, and kicked total ass and, you know, saved the day and stopped people from eating poison escargot? Like, you've got to recapture that. <laughs> and they, they go through it with all the male characters. And when it finally gets to Miss America, it's like, hey, remember episode one, where, like, you're uncle died and like you <laughs> vowed vengeance and shit like you haven't done much with that but cling on to that you know like, like yeah. and it's like you you, you kind of realize you're like oh like she hasn't done shit for the last 20 episodes you know, well, like, that was a thing <laughs> well I, I as i was watching i noticed it's like most of her character interactions were mostly with just battle france because they were you know battle france is kind of like uh pretty hello yeah like he, you know, they got along well because he's kind of prissy and you know he he cares Let's about. Go his shopping. Business. Yeah, yeah, they do go shopping quite a bit, but you know, I I was like, well, that's that's good that they interact like that. But after a while, I got to notice it's like she's like she's hardly ever there. It's like they kind of they they dropped that whole interaction with Battle of France, and then it's just like you know she'll be there for like some kind of briefing scene. And then she'll be there for transformation. And and I got to wondering. I was like, I wonder how much of that is like new footage. Yeah, like well, because my understanding with my research wasn't so much that she didn't speak Japanese well, was that she didn't speak Japanese. Period. Oh, like that. that oh, wow. she Because because her name, her name on the show is Diane Martin, and the actress's name is Diane Martin. Right. Like she, she's an American, she's an American Japanese born model and they, they, they hired her cause they thought she was beautiful, which is rightfully so. But I, I think the idea was all the lines like are actually spoken by the, I believe it's the suit actress who plays Miss America oh, okay. dubbed over Diane Martin, like how, whatever she's saying in there. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, she may very well be trying to speak the Japanese lines or whatever, right. but it, it's one of those cases where, you know, David Prowse or, you know, whatever comparison you want to make, you know, you see the clips of David Prowse going, take her away, I'm Dolph <laughs> you know, and shit like that. And then you get the clip, <laughs> you know, you get to the clip where it's like James Earl Jones and you're like, oh, thank God, you know, like, and I, I think it's probably a similar instance with this, even though you, you probably don't have the comparison clips and, and, and it's hard to note and appreciate or, or what have you. As the Honest Trailers guys said, not so epic now, huh, bro? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, but, but I, you know, I kind of wonder, I don't know enough about the the history of some of those Japanese actors. Like, I don't know. Yeah. You know, like, like uh, you, you, you know, it's like one of those things like Daisuke Ban is still with us and he was in the Kakata reboot movie, but only for, you know, those couple minutes, probably because of his age and his health and all that stuff. And, and you're wondering like, Oh, well that was, you know what, like five years before that. So, I mean, maybe there are actors they could have called upon besides battle Kenya. I mean, you know, obviously it's probably a balance between budgetary reasons, right. like how, how many of these actors they can bring back and pay money. And the fact that they were probably able to spread him across, you know, they could, put him in a film and they could put him in a couple episodes and make little cameos and stuff like that. And it was probably economical and, and for budgetary reasons. But then, you know, they're also, I, I, you know, I gotta be honest. I don't know. I don't know if all those actors are still with us too, you know, like, or if they, if they stayed in acting, like for all we know, 
Diane Martin yeah. went back to being a model, and 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 because of that experience, maybe she never acted ever again. Like I, I don't really know what the answer is, you know. Like so, there's there's that aspect to it too. I think that's one of the hurdles if you're like a Tokusatsu fan is like, you, you know, you can do a Google search and you can you can find some information, but you know, like I was saying to you, it's like it was rumored, you know, she wanted to quit. It, it, it was rumored that she was asked to leave, and it's like, you know. If you search, you just find like rumors, and then if you do find something, it's like, you know, I'm like, well, shit, I can't read Japanese, like, so I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, you, you know what it reminds me of? I was like, I, I think Diane Martin and the lady who played Black Canary in the Legends of the Superheroes, Danuta. Like, I think they need to get together and have like a What Happened to Us Anonymous meeting or something, because you're like, <laughs> you're like, why, why do we only know the like? Why is this lady only credited with one name? Like, it's like, is she Prince? Like, what's going on? And like, what you know? And like, it, it, like you said, you you try to like read interviews and find stuff but you know luckily with the the legends of the superheroes you can find stuff in english where it's like oh you know like from what i could gather she married some producer i think her last name was like you know denuda you know spitzman or you know something like that and you're just like oh okay i get it you know like like you know you know yeah yeah or, or whatever it was you know and i'm like okay you know that that sort of explains a little bit and then you see like a couple little interviews and this and that and and you know she didn't do much acting after that and you're just kind of like oh okay i get it like I, I see what happened here sort of i get a vague picture of it but like you said when you don't speak japanese and and you know you the the resources of the internet movie database only go so far yeah. you know with with you know japanese productions you you're always sitting there like basically a lot of the times when i was making those videos every once in a while i had notions and went oh you know this actress seems familiar it looks like the same actor it looks like the same actress but i couldn't always confirm that in my head so like sometimes i'd just go to August Rangone's Facebook, and I'd IM him and be like, "Hey, am I right about this dude? Is this actor the same as the actor in this?" And 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 usually, like, he probably has tons of, you know, Facebook IMs, and he's backlogged and all that stuff. But he was nice enough to respond like anytime I asked him something eventually, and he'd usually say, "Yeah, you're totally right, dude. It is the same actor or whatever." And I'd be like, "Okay, good," you know. But it's like it's it's hard because you don't always, like you say, you don't always know, and you don't have the same amount of resources that are usually committed to any you know american or english language productions so or either that or maybe you don't have the like you said the the know-how you know to to read the information that is out there to be had in japanese you know so right. yeah uh, like as far as budgetary reasons i'd say you're probably right about that because at least for like the power rangers side i know i read many stories where when they were making the super mega force version of of the legendary war you know they they asked several past power ranger actors to come back and a lot of them a lot of them were mad because they weren't asked and a lot of them got mad and refused the part because basically they basically they were yeah. they were offered like you know a plane ticket and like two seconds of screen time and that was it and you know you know for a lot of these actors it had been like you know 10 20 years and they've moved on they've got like you know families and other jobs and they're just like you know I I can't just drop I can't drop everything fly to New Zealand or wherever and film like you know a one two second cameo you know they're like it's it's not worth it and they they were being paid like you know <laughs> peanuts like even like less than yeah yeah I mean I, I I you know believe it or not I can relate to that you know <laughs> right. like I mean you know so it's like that's that's one of those things where I, I sort of understand exactly how they feel, you know, like where you're like, is this, is this worth it? You know, like, and, and especially when you're in that state where they treat you like you're getting paid peanuts or, or basically nothing, you know, like a plane ticket, you know, like, like, I mean, I, I could see why that's like a big slap in the face, especially the, you know, if, if the idea is they're going to try to make money off of this thing, you know what I mean? And they, they can't yeah. even just, you know, you know, offer them like an actual salary for doing it. I mean, that'd be a little different. It, it'd be different if somebody was actually offered a decent salary for, for making the cameo. And then they still decided, look, you know, economically, it's, it's not going to work out. And, you know, it's, it's an amicable kind of decision. But I think in a lot of those cases, you know, I, I would imagine the Japanese probably treated their returning tribute actors a bit better. But that that's not to say that there, there weren't, you know, 
sort of frugal decision making in in the idea of having you know the the Kenji Oba you know kind of plastered across several projects. Well, that's what I was kind of thinking too. I was thinking maybe what it could have been. It could have been something as simple as a matter of convenience. He could have been filming, you know, some scenes for Gavin, and they could have been filming the Christmas episode around the same time. And then when they were writing the script, they're like, "Oh, we just have fucking Battle Kenya. He's like, you know, over on the next sound stage. You know, he can just come over, pop over, do a cameo. I mean, it could be as simple as that." Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm sure they had somewhat planned what the tribute episodes were going to be you know, from episode to episode. So I, I, yeah. I don't think it was completely without forethought. But yeah, I mean, I'm sure convenience was was definitely a, a factor in his appearance in this episode as well. Because you, you could tell, it's not like he interacted with them too much. There was the one scene with, with Luca and, and Akari Guy, and then there's basically a scene they probably filmed. Just yeah, he's like on a rooftop, himself. yeah. You know, he's on his own. You he, know, basically, he so. interacted more with the panda than uh, than any of the actors. <laughs> right, right, exactly, exactly. I mean, you know, there, there are tribute episodes where where there's long running plots and the the oh, characters yeah. in the entire episode and everything, and it interacts with all of the cast members and stuff like that. So this is not necessarily reflective of every single tribute episode, but you know, still, the, the, you know, like you're saying, you know, there's the the advertisements for you know, Gavin and Gokaiger, you know, the film and, and different things like that. And I, I guess, you know, in some sense, the fact that they originally kept casting Kenji Oba in all these roles, you know, lends credence to it. I mean, you do get that great scene, like you said, in the movie where they superimpose him and it's all three of them all together, you know, talking to one another. And it's like, and, and what's great about it is like, he is really a terrific actor. I mean, yeah. the, the idea that he's disguised as Santa Claus is not like totally random. I mean, on Battle Fever J, he was like the disguise expert yeah. and he's such a funny comedic actor and, and a good actor as well that he always pulled off all these different disguises. Like, I mean, it was often like he was wearing, you know, fake mustaches and beards and he had white in his hair or he was, you know, in a crazy outfit or dressed up as a traffic cop or a construction worker or like all these different things on the show. Like, because he was kind of that secret agent espionage guy who was always undercover. So he was their undercover guy too. So, I mean, it, it's not like it's a, you know, that, that, that was totally random that he was kind of disguised as Santa, you know? I mean, I'll be honest. I haven't watched a lot of battle fever Jay, And then like when he showed up as Santa, I didn't even, I didn't even think about it. I was just like, Oh, okay. Yeah. This is so Luca can, you know, learn about Christmas, you know, and like all that stuff. And then when he shows up and he's, you know, Battle Kenya, and I'm like, and I do know what Battle Fever J is. I mean, I'm not completely unaware of it. I was like, oh, well. And when I saw his face, because he did have a beard on. I mean, he was, like, pretty covered up. And I was just like, oh, oh, okay, that is him. Okay. <laughs> See, it's like Kenji Oba fooled you. He did. It's like, he did. <laughs> yeah. But no, I mean, that that's the testament to him, too, because there, there are things like that where you see him and he's in disguise and all of a sudden you're like, oh, wait, he's the old man? Like what? You know, so there's there, there is that that aspect to his performances, especially on Battle Fever J, which is, again, you know, they, they did good with with what they had to work with. And I, I think one of the, the advantages of discussing this episode is, you know, kind of like you know, talking about, you know, a done-in-one comic book, I mean, in some sense, this is a done-in-one episode, you know, it's not like you have to follow a whole, you know, arc about them getting a grand power, or, you know, you know, that, that it strings together episodes, I know, like, for instance, like, I, I'm a big fan of Go Onger, and, like, those tribute episodes, you know, I think it's, like, one or two of the episodes are, like, strung together, and it's part of a, you know, a storyline. Or something like that but in this case yeah, yeah you know this is this is kind of like a done in one thing and and you you basically get the whole idea of what what go is about and who the tributes to and yeah it's not like battle kitty gets kidnapped at the end of the episode and they have to go find him next episode yeah yeah right right exactly exactly i remember when i was watching this episode i was a little disappointed that you know when they changed it into kaku ranger like they didn't fight with that power for very long but then it's like, you know, next episode, Cocker Ranger tribute. I was like, oh, okay, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> one, one thing I was going to mention, I forgot to mention this when I was doing my little recap. I, I, thought, it, I thought it was actually really cool. One of the things that uh, Go Kaiger does a lot is, like, when you go into it, you would think, like, oh, okay, like, you know, like you said, they're going to turn to Battle Fever J. You know, they're going to turn into that full team. But I also like it when they mix it up, like, when they did the team of all yellow. I thought that was kind of cool. 
Yeah, sometimes they sometimes they do themes and stuff, and and sometimes there are themes that I don't even notice where it's like it, it's easy to see that they all went with yellow rangers in this episode but you know something that luke jacanetti would point out to me is he says do you notice like these guys all turned into animals or they all turned into yeah, all cars, you know yeah. like 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 yeah that kind of thing where you're like oh hey i didn't even i didn't even pick up on that but but a lot of the times there are these sort of themed transformations where everybody sort of matches in terms of you know, some some kind of theme. You know, maybe they're all lions, or they're all reptiles, or you know, what wh- whatever the the underlining theme is, and stuff like that. So yeah, there's there's usually a lot of cool things in terms of, of the series. I was going to ask Mike this since since we did kind of out him as being a newbie and stuff. I know you watched the first episode of Gokaiger, even though this is kind of far into the series. I mean, it is the forty fourth episode? I mean, and if it didn't, that's fine. But did this kind of maybe? kind of light any kind of fire in you that you're like maybe i'll give this show a chance or are you still kind of like this was fun but i'm okay no not really i mean this is a fun diversion i mean maybe you know i'd if i did like want to watch it i'd you know obviously have to watch it from the beginning and uh, yeah i mean it's a fun diversion but i'm not i'm not you know i'm not gonna go out and do that basically no i'm just wondering yeah i mean yeah i mean these kind of shows are not for everybody. Like, you know, even with Common Rider, I, for every show like Dino or Ooze or, or Gime that I really got into, there's been some ones that I was kind of like, eh, you know, like Ghost. I'm just not into Ghost. I can't get on board. So, I mean, yeah, I understand. You know, like me and Justin, you know, if you're a fan of Go Kaiser, this is a fun little Christmas episode. Even if you don't like Christmas that much, like Christmas episodes, like Justin, you'll still enjoy it. Go Kaiser series as a whole. I think it's a it is like Justin said, one of the better Sentai series has come out in the last five or six years, and it's definitely worth a watch. And this is just another episode in a in a really good series. So yeah, I, I it was fun, like you said, to, to kind of go back to it and like watch it again. Yeah, I agree that it's fun to revisit Gokaiger. I I agree that it's one of the better Super Sentai series. You know, it's got a lot of fun moments, a lot of cool tributes to look forward to, especially if you're a fan of the franchise. It's definitely a, a celebration of, of all things Super Sentai. So if you if you have any inkling of, of celebrating Super Sentai, I would I would definitely give it a shot. Check it out if you haven't already, even if that means going back to the beginning and, and watching it all from the start. I know I, I when the series first came out, it was something that I kept watching from week to week. And then I did eventually kind of lose track of it at some point, as I'm apt to do with a lot of these shows. But I think when Super Megaforce came on, it sort of, as Tony would say, lit a fire under my pants to not watch Super Megaforce so much, but to finish off where I left off with Gokaiger and, and complete watching that entire show, which is something that I... I, you know, I, I did do, and I'm glad I did it, and, and it's a fun experience, and it also is fun to, to revisit this just in terms of Christmas, you know, in terms of Ikari Guy being a fanboy about Christmas, you know, I, I do have the Gokai Christmas figure arts, so, like, all that kind of stuff is, is always very fun. So we hope you've enjoyed listening to our thoughts and pontifications on Gokaiger on this special Christmas episode of Fanholes Sentai Saturdays. Of course, you can find us on many, many social medias. We're on social medias like Facebook, Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram. We appreciate all the likes and feedback that we get. You can, of course, email us with any comments, questions, and or concerns at fanholespodcast at gmail.com. We are on the fanholespodcast.blogspot.com. That's where all our content is. You can find all our archives of previous episodes there if you are not busy streaming us on stitcher radio or leaving us five-star reviews on itunes and we also have many many shows besides fanholes sentai saturdays we've got all kinds of spin-off shows including fanholes toku thursdays as we've mentioned is a sister show to Fanholes Sentai Saturdays. We've got Fanholes Mobile Suit Mondays, where we usually celebrate and talk about the Gundam franchise. We've got Fanholes Transformers Tuesdays, where we discuss things about Transformers all the time, every time. And we have 
fan holes comic books motherfucker do you read them where this is our new show where we like to discuss comic books and then we of course have our fan holes proper podcast that we've been having for since we started the show you know if you like what we talked about on this show please feel free to check out any of the other shows and until the next time this is going to be derek derek wc merry christmas guys signing off it's Mike. Signing off. Hey, this is Justin. Hey guys, this is Tony and Dulun Pa. you into a doll, Tony. Don't do that. <laughs> Just don't break the wand after because it's going to be stuck that way. All right. Eesh. Then who's I'll go gonna, on eBay. <laughs> I'm like, who's going to make Justin a delicious double down if Tony's a doll? <laughs> <laughs>